Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Welcome to our annual predictions episode of Revolution Recap with our 2023 edition of Bold Takes. I'm Sean Donahue, and I've got a full lineup of Blazing Musket writers joining me today. First up is our regular co-host, Tanner Rubello. Tanner, how's it going? It's going good, Sean. I'm excited to uh, dig into the season predictions. Also joining us today is Seth Maycomer. Always excited to have him on the show. Seth, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really excited because I feel like this is where I get the most invites for the hot take episode. So you can uh, hold on to these and then make fun of me at the end of the season. So always glad to be here for that reason. Uh, don't don't worry, we will. We'll, we'll be uh, keeping close track of these so we can bring it up every time something goes wrong. <laughs> and last but not least, we've got Sam Minton. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I just realized that the blazing musket is just like taking over Revolution Recap. I, I, I was stunned when you said that. So th- this is quite amazing, but happy to be here gonna spew some hot takes and they will probably not pan out <laughs> you know you guys really are taking over i was actually uh, goofing around with chat gpt earlier and i was asking about revolution podcast and it talked about the uh bent musket podcast which uh, i don't know if that actually exists but uh chat gpt thinks it does so oh boy <laughs> Anyways, let's get right into our predictions, which are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group, uh, who have season memberships available now. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at AnyRebellion and on their website, AnyRebellion.org. Seth, since you're the uh, the senior man on the Blazing Musket staff, let's start with you. Uh, what did you think of the Revs offseason? Uh, the highlights that we're bringing in, Latif Blessing, Dave Romney, Bobby Wood. What grade would you give it? Yeah, um, I'm going to say that it's, it's a, a solid B plus in terms of the offseason uh, I think what was good is that Bruce Arena went and got guys that uh, he knows, first of all, and that also are durable individuals. I think last year the Revolution were hurt because there were so many injuries. And you bring in Dave Romney, who basically played every single game uh, that he, when he was with Nashville, he's a known commodity. He was uh, someone who knowed Curtinoffo and Bruce Arena back in the LA Galaxy. Plus, he's someone who just hardly ever takes a day off. He takes care of his body. He, he does really well. Hopefully I'm not jinxing him, but I think it was really important to get a center back um, who's going to be there very reliably because last year uh, Henry Kessler was limited to only playing 21 games. Uh, Andrew Farrell missed a few games, including that really cl- uh, crucial second leg um, down in Mexico in the CCL. Uh, so you needed to bring in uh, a little bit more stability back there and a little bit more um, reliability back there. And I think the same was true with Latif Blessing is that you needed a partner for uh, Matt Polster. And I talked to Matt Polster, and he admitted that when you play by yourself in that position, it can get overwhelming. And he said that someone like Latif, who's been around for a long time, knows the league really well, plays a lot of games when he's healthy, uh, and, and you know is available for those games. Uh, it was really important to have him in there to help protect that back line. Uh, so those are really reliable individuals to, to bring in. Uh, Nacho, bringing him back in, um, He's a player that can play out wide, and, and he's someone that showed a lot of creativity. I'm not sure if he's a starter, but someone really good off the bench. And uh, Bobby Wood, we'll see what happens with Bobby Wood. Uh, we don't know what his contract status is, and that might shift how I feel about it. Uh, but he's someone that can score goals. He's someone that Bruce Arena knows really well. And when I was asking uh, Matt Polster who's doing well, he mentioned some young guys and some other players. 
and he actually mentioned Bobby Wood, and that came out of nowhere. Uh, Bobby Wood did have an injury that he dealt with during uh, preseason down in Florida, uh, but I think it's a positive sign if some of his teammates are saying that uh, Bobby Wood is performing well. So I, I think it was solid. I think that those are MLS guys, known commodities. Um, and I, I think, again, much like last year, I think a lot of things will come down to what happens during that summer transfer window. To bring these guys in, it solidifies things, but you have to be able to add more pieces later on if things aren't going exactly the way they should, like maybe another winger, for example. So Seth's got him at a B plus. Sam, what are you thinking? Um, I, I probably have him at a C plus. You know, I'd agree with Seth just overall with the Dave Romney and Latif Blessing. You know, I think those will be good ones. I know, obviously, with the likes of Omar Gonzalez and Josie Altador, that Bruce guys haven't gotten the best reputation when coming into New England. But I really think Romney, you know, like Seth said, just going to be kind of a mainstay in that back line. And I think, you know, we should expect to see him in the starting 11 plenty of times. And also, too, with Heath Blessing, like Seth said, just being able to work with Matt Polster. And I think if he's in a team where he's valued, you know, obviously there were some complications with LAFC. Now coming to New England, he gets that fresh start. I think he could, you know, do quite well. Bobby Wood, it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously he's making waves now, but how will we do in an entire season coming off a pretty significant injury? You know, don't know if he'll be the guy. Are we counting Josie Altador as an addition after being loaned out? But overall, I think there's some good moves. I just think, you know, like Seth said, there needs to be more. And a lot of it, it seems to be just hoping that guys like Dylan Barrero and Giacomo Veroni, which I guarantee you we'll talk about later, that they're able to bounce back from, you know, their debuts in MLS. And now that they have a full preseason, become, you know, even better players and almost act like an addition in the offseason. But, you know, I think they've made some decent moves, but there's definitely some more to be made. So I'd give it a C plus. That's a C plus from Sam, a B plus from Seth. What are you thinking, Tanner? I'm giving them a D. And the reason I'm giving them a D is I kind of wanted to see something different from Bruce Arena. I think he's fallen into this trap of relying on players that he's familiar with. Um, you know, I do like Dave Romney. I think that could pan out for them. But I, I wanted to see something a little bit different from Bruce this offseason. But it, it just appears he continues to scout what he's familiar or bring in what he's familiar. Um, so I think that's a concerning trend. And the fact that they still have Altador on the roster, Omar Gonzalez on the roster, and haven't used any of their offseason buyouts. Also, a tad concerning. So, I'd give him a D. Yeah, Tanner brings up a good point, and that's one that I wanted to bring on, bring up. Um, I, I want to go with a B minus, a little bit more positive. Um, I like the additions. I like Dave Romney. I like Latif Blessing. I think those are both going to be good players for the Revolution this year. Um, but what Tanner brings up, and that I, I wanted to bring up, is the fact that Omar Gonzalez and Josie Altador are still on the roster, still taking up a lot of resources. Um, I thought one, if not both of them, they would find a way to move on from whether it was a buyout or you know mutual termination or something. Um, and there's just a lot, a lot of assets being put into Josie Altador, and when you take into consideration the addition of Bobby Wood um, and the fact that we don't know whether or not the Revolution are going to even play with two strikers this season. Um, you know, you have two strikers in Wood and Altador that, you know, similar injury history, similar form histories. Um, don't know what you're going to get from either of them. And we don't know Bobby Wood's contract, but he was, you know, I think he was at 900000 last year. I assume it's a decent drop off from that. But, you know, either way, it's a lot of resources into two guys that might be your third and fourth choice striker on a one striker system, depending on what we see. So uh, I like the additions. Not as happy about the lack of departures of uh, out the door and, and Omar Gonzalez. Um, so we talked about the offseason moves. With those offseason moves in mind, where does everybody think the Rebels will finish? Uh, Sam, let's start with you this time. 
Yeah, you know, I think especially after last season missing the playoffs, I would say that playoffs are probably the goal for this team. But I would say, you know, the Eastern Conference, I, it's going to be tough. You have Toronto, the addition of Sean Johnson, I think will be key in, you know, boosting their back line of Matt Hedges. You got Cincinnati, you know, Orlando's kind of recharged. You know, there's a lot of good teams in uh, the Eastern Conference. So I think, you know, it will be difficult. I think the Revs will make the playoffs. You know, I have them coming in around seventh place. It'll be interesting to see just overall how they're able to do once they get there. Uh, but overall, you know, I think that the playoffs should be what the team is aiming for. And if you were to miss it, it would be a pretty big disappointment. So I'm, I'm going to go with seventh. What are you thinking, Tanner? You know, this is a tough season to predict, um, you know, especially the fact that Gustavo Bo hasn't even really even been with the team. Uh, Veroni wasn't very healthy last year. Dylan Barrero as well. There's a lot of unknowns, um, I think, with this team. They have to make the playoffs, but I think it's going to really need for them to hit on some of these offseason acquisitions, also to see a player like Ferroni and Burrow take that next step forward. And potentially, like I think Seth had mentioned earlier, in the summer transfer window, I think they're going to have to hit in there too. So I think they can squeak into the playoffs, but you know they finished 10th last year, and I don't know if they did enough to improve the team that really pushed it over the top. So a couple of squeaking into the playoffs so far, it sounds like. Seth, where do you have them? Yeah, maybe I'll be the optimistic one this entire episode. And I get why there's pessimism after last year. I'm going to say around uh, five, uh, fifth place in the the East. Uh, I think those are some really good teams, Cincinnati being one of them, Philadelphia being another one of them. Uh, To me, if you think about last year, the hard thing was that the team was just injured so often. And you just couldn't put out a a first-choice starting 11, and that really hurt the team. And I think this year you have um, adding a new center back to the fold. So whether uh, Kessler is out or Farrell is out or, you know, Dave Romney just wins the job from somewhere, you have more stability in that back line, more reliability in that back line. I think the hope is that Barrero has really gotten things right. And there was articles out there. I think it was in the Boston Herald talking about how he is now um, mentally putting that injury behind him. And he even worked to like get his body right and to, to really make sure that he's mentally right going into the season. And I think Veroni that is a similar situation where um, he just didn't have the, the chemistry yet. And he was, was injured. And I think that you see he's constantly working after practice all the time. Like Buxa did, like other strikers. I remember Charlie Davies doing the same thing back in the day. He wants to do so well for this team. And the hope is that they just can stay healthy. And whether it was just bad luck coming from the team, whether it was um, the medical staff just not quite figuring out, they did change their their head athletic trainer um, during the off season. Um, you know, there's there's there was something going on last year. Again, it might have just been bad luck. I think the hope is that you get everyone out there because I think this team with Petrovic, with um, Carlos Heel, both Andrew Farrell and Henry Kessler told me that as long as you have uh, Carlos Heel on the field, you're going to be competing for a trophy. Um, you know, if, if Giacomo Veroni can find form, Barrero, I think, is very, very good. I think he's a very dynamic player. And then you add Bowen, and, like, I think we forget that when he's healthy and when he's on form, Bo can be good. And I know that's been someone that's critical of Bo, but he's a game-changer as well if he's in the right form and in the right system. So um, I'll be curious to see how the early season goes. And, and with the idea that no one believes um, – no one understands the importance of the final part of the season more than Bruce Arena, that you can lose some games along the way, especially at the beginning of the year. And at the end of the season, as long as you get hot right into the playoffs, 
you can do pretty well. And I think that Bruce Arena understands that. So I think the idea of, of finishing fifth or fourth is definitely achievable and then hopefully making a good playoff run. Yeah, I've actually got him at fifth too. I thought I was gonna be on the pessimistic side, but I guess I guess not today. Um but you no, know, I, I think I've I've said it a lot in past episodes. I think it all really comes down to Giacomo Rioni. I think you know, the revolution, as long as Carlos Hill is healthy, are going to create a lot of chances uh, with a healthy Dylan Barrero. I think that's going to only help in that department. Um, so a lot of it's going to come down to the striker position. And, you know, I, I there's too many red flags or too many question marks about the form and the health uh, historically of Gustavo Bo, of Josie Altador and Bobby Wood, where if Giacomo Vrioni doesn't show up and doesn't be the player that the revolution think he is, um, I think the revolution are really going to struggle to make the playoffs. But on the flip side, if he becomes the player that the revolution probably thought he was capable of and you know is a 15 plus goal scorer for the revs i think they could actually be a contender um, i think that's how much rests on his shoulders um so i'm going to kind of split the difference and and, and say they're going to finish fifth but uh to me it all really comes down to rioni being healthy in form and being the striker that the revolution thinks he is which is you know really needing to be the type of guy that you know adam buxa was in his absolute best for the revolution which is you know a 15 goal scorer for this team um, so that, that's where I come down on that one. And it's, it's, I, I struggle because I, I still haven't seen enough from him and I would have liked to have seen him score more goals in preseason. But, uh, to me, the revolution's fortunes really largely rest on, on what he can give the revs. Um, with that, let's get right into our predictions about individual players. I'm curious from each of you for a player that you think will do better than expectations this season. Uh, Tanner, I'll start with you. It's either going to be Ozzy Altador. I think the expectations are so low for Altador that if he's on the team, he's going to beat expectations. So I actually <laughs> think that there is an opportunity for him to have an impact on this team. You know, I'm not sold on Bobby Wood. Gustavo Bo, he's not with the team right now. So there might be some early minutes this year for Altador. And the fact that he hasn't bought out and there hasn't been an announcement, I think he might be in the plans for them. So I think Altador is someone that could beat expectations mostly because there aren't any with him. But I think there is some upside that some people are probably overlooking because he is a pretty good player. He just hasn't shown it yet. Seth, who have you got? Yeah, Josie Altador is an interesting one, huh? I was uh, down at practice at the end of January, and I asked Bruce Arena how how Josie Altador is doing, and he's like, he's had a good preseason. That's all he he gave me. Uh, And then I think what's interesting is that if you've seen the last two games, there's been a crew that's been together um, completely the same, and, and it's a lot of the starting names. It's it's Petrovic, it's um, it's Carlos Hill, it's it's Barrero, and the striker that's been involved in that is Josie Altidore. So it definitely makes you think about it a little bit. I think that uh, I, I think you got to go with Veroni. Um, I think that some people were really down on Veroni last year. Uh, the only goal that he scored was a penalty kick. He obviously missed a lot of time. Uh, people started kind of questioning whether he's a good player or not. Um, this is someone that that led the Austrian league. Uh, with nine, 19 goals, I believe, 17 or 19 goals uh, tied for the, the top. Um, so he's someone that can put the ball into the back of the net. Uh, and, and it reminds me of Buxa, to be honest with you, that a lot of people were down on Buxa and, and thought that he was a bust in that first season. Um, there are people on Twitter that were kind of saying something similar, that, that he has, wasn't very good. I think that you, you hope that he has to be good. And I think, much like Sean said, that the revolution success this year depends on that. And he'll get plenty of opportunities to show that he is a goal scorer, that he is someone that um, will hopefully one day go back to Europe and show that he's a talented enough player to do so. So I think he has lots of motivation to prove haters wrong. I think Andrew Farrell said that in my interview, that he's going to go out there and try to prove the haters wrong. He's putting in the work. He's doing all the right things. 
Um, so I think that expectations going into the season are a little low for him because he only scored one goal last year and has no goals during the preseason. Uh, but I think over the course of the 34-game season, uh, he will prove that he is a, a competent striker. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Veroni was my guy as well. But, you know, also, I do think that Dylan Barrero is also going to improve. You know, it's been talked about a bunch. Just having that full preseason is so important. And I think when it comes to Barrero, he obviously has the skill on the field. You know, he's able to go at defenders, you know, especially when he first came here. Kind of reminded me of Tejan Buchanan, obviously not at that level yet. But just with his ability to go at defenders and, you know, kind of cause chaos on that wing, you know, it definitely stood out. I think uh, something that Bruce Arena said, it was in an article with Rich Thompson, the Boston Herald, is that he really just needs to mature as a player. And I think, obviously, we hope that these signings can come in and make an impact right away. But especially with someone like Barrero, utilized under the U22 initiative, I think it was going to take some time, you know, even if we didn't want to admit that. So I think, again, having that full preseason, just coming in motivated, looking to, you know, prove the haters wrong, as Seth said for Veroni. You know, it will be the same for Barrero, and I think, you know, he should improve. And similar to Veroni, he wants to eventually go to Europe and just continue to become a better player. So I think, you know, with that full off season, we should expect to see it from Veroni, and the same thing can be said of Barrero. Yeah, I think those are all interesting picks. I like I like the Alcidor one because I think the expectations are so low that one or two goals would uh, be exceeding expectations for him. And I think, for me, I think Rioni and Barrero, the expectations are somewhat high already, um, but I expect both of them to have good years. I'm going to say Nacho Heal, for me, um, my expectations when he originally signed for the Rebs were, were very, very low, and I think they've been raised a little bit because he showed some flashes in his minutes last year. Um, but you know, based on the composition of the Rebs roster, if they play with wingers this season, there aren't a lot of options. So I, I think that he's going to get a decent amount of minutes as the revolution experiment with formations. Um, and I think he's actually going to you know, end up being a better player than certainly what I expected when the Rebs first signed him and even maybe better than what the expectations are now after we've seen him play a little bit uh, for the Rebs. Um, on the flip side, do we have a player that we think will do worse uh, than expected? I guess, Sam, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the fact that Gustavo Bo has just been away for the team for so long, you know, he is getting up there in the age of 12 too. I think it could cause him to have a difficult start to the season. And obviously, you know, being a DP uh, striker, you know, there's, there's some high expectations. So, you know, honestly, I think if that stumble possibly does come in at last throughout the season, we could really see a down season from Gustavo Bo. Now, obviously, he could easily prove me wrong and just come back raring to go. He was, you know, training in Argentina. I believe he was training with the team he owned. But, you know, just being able to be away from the team, you know, that definitely, I think, will have an impact. You know, maybe even in a game against Charlotte starting off, we instead of seeing him being the starting 11, we're seeing him come off the bench. You know, there's nothing that you can replicate uh, match fitness in terms of not playing in those preseason games. So, you know, I really think if, things don't go well for Gustavo Bo to start the season, it could just have that snowball effect throughout the rest of the season. So I think Gustavo Bo is my pick to possibly have a uh, down season and fail to reach expectations. Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth, and he's a guy that I think always takes time to get going, too, when you see that when he comes back from an injury or at the start of the season. So the fact that he missed preseason uh, it makes you wonder how long it's going to take him to find his form and his sharpness, especially at this age. So now, now i got to be thinking as I let Seth and Tanner go for, for a new one because that's who I was going to go with. Uh, Seth, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think Bo is, is my pick as well. And we talked about it before that Bo is kind of limits what the revolution can do as a formation. Um, and 
he's best as a second striker. So as a result, are you looking at that five, three, two formation? If I got the numbers, yeah, I got the numbers right there. If you do that, then you're leaving out a, a player in the midfield, whether it's Barrero or Latif Blessing or Carlos Heel or, or uh, Polster. Um, what do you do in that situation in order to fit Bo there? Or you can play that diamond where you get everyone on the field except for a center back. Uh, but we know that diamond can be troublesome because it leaves uh, Matt Polster having to carry, um, cover a lot of ground. So I think it's going to be difficult to figure out where do you fit Bo into this lineup. I do have a little bit of a theory that with with Bo, um, maybe maybe uh, Arena was keeping him because he can play as a lone striker. If Giacomo Veroni really isn't working out, maybe Bo is your your lone striker and you're using uh, Veroni off the bench. Um, that's pretty tough to have one of your DPs being benched and the other one starting. But I think for Bruce Arena, who maybe is like one or two years away from retiring, um, it's about winning a championship. And if that means hurting some egos or making guys, you know, sit on the bench for a little bit, maybe that's what he has to do to try to get that elusive MLS Cup. You know, keep in mind in, in 2021, um, at times Bo was starting a striker and times Buxa was starting that striker. It wasn't always a situation where they were both in the starting lineup. So maybe, you know, the fact that Bo is a known commodity, he's already under contract. Maybe that's part of the reason why he said, I'll keep bring you in and, and you know, keep you around just in case I need to use you. Uh, but I think there's so many you know, strikers that one of those guys is going to have a disappointing season. There's just no way you can get all of those guys on the field. Um, so Bo being a DP, it feels very likely it's going to be him. Um, you know, expectations are kind of low for Josie Altador, like, like Tanner was saying. Uh, maybe Bobby Wood ends up having a disappointing season because uh, you know, he doesn't really get many minutes up there versus the rest of the competition. Uh, but it's kind of hard to say a guy on a one-year contract that's coming from Real Salt Lake has a disappointing season. Uh, it could be because he ends up having a big salary. We don't know his salary number. Uh, so that could kind of be depending on whether he is a, a disappointing season or not. But I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously repeating a lot of what Sam said, but I think the easy choice here to say is, is uh, Gustavo Bell. Hopefully he proves me wrong. Hopefully, you know, he ends up, fitting in really well and having good chemistry. Um, but I can see it being maybe a little bit of a difficult season for him. Tanner, have you got anyone different? Andrew Farrell, someone very different. Um, you know, Farrell's been an Ironman for the revolution since coming in the league, 2013, 26,000 minutes over 300 starts. But, you know, if you look at that back line, you have Henry Kessler, Dave Romney, obviously could go three at center back, but I just look at Andrew Farrell, 30 years old, all those miles on his legs, playing on turf for you know the majority of his games, I think eventually it's going to fall off for him. And I think that there's increased competition at center back. I think Henry Kessler is going to have a bounce back here. And I think he's going to put a lot of pressure to be in that starting lineup. And I think you brought in Dave Romney to start as well. So I, I could see Andrew Farrell having a, um, a declining year for him. Yeah, I'm gonna go the opposite. My my prediction was gonna be Bo, but I, as I said earlier, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and I'm actually gonna say Henry Kessler. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting that Dave Romney's gonna supplant Farrell in the lineup. My guess is that by the end of the season, it's actually gonna be Kessler that gets taken out of the lineup for Dave Romney. I don't think they're gonna be playing a five man back line, uh, other than in, you know special circumstances. I can't I don't expect that to be their formation. So I think it will be two center backs. Um, but I think by the end of the season, it might be Kessler that's benched for Romney. So that's my prediction. It's also my bold prediction, which I'm gonna into later but um yeah and i just you know over the past couple seasons he's struggled a bit you know despite being pretty young with his health uh and staying on the field and you know everyone points out farrell's all the penalty kicks Farrell came up last year henry hustle was just one behind was not his best year either um so 
yeah, I mean, it could go either way, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kessler since Bo has been been taken too many times. Um, next one, uh, top scorer. I think we've gotten a hint from a few of you on this one. Uh, Seth, who do you think is going to be the Revs' top scorer this season? Yeah, I think it has to be Veroni. I think if the Revolution are going to be successful this year, it has to be Veroni. Um, he's going to be the one that's going to be uh, at the, t- the point of the attack. He's going to be the one, hopefully, trying to finish tap-ins and hopefully, you know, scoring goals and creating opportunities himself. Uh, I think if it's anyone besides Veroni, um, the Revolution probably had a disappointing season or they just had a really good season from someone surprising, whether it's Tanner's pick of Josie Altidore or or maybe Bo comes back and is absolutely you know fighting for that last year and, and proud to wear the crest. Or maybe Bobby uh, Wood is is finds his form and you know turns back the clock a little bit. Uh, but I think that if the Revolution is going to be a good team, then Veroni has to be the top scorer. How about you, Tanner? Yeah, I'm actually going to go with Carlos Hill. I think it, it's a little bit different of a pick. I think the Revolution are going to really struggle at the striker position. I think it's going to be a rotation of bodies. And I think Carlos Hill is going to find his finishing touch, and he's going to lead the team in goals once again. Who you got, Sam? Yeah, I mean, you know, Seth stole it right from me. I, You know, I think Veroni's just going to have a good season. He's just been putting in the work, and now it's all about translating that onto the field. And, you know, I think, that especially with Bo possibly, you know, having to get acclimated, that could, you know, help them get some goals early on. But I, I think obviously with how we've been talking, it's not surprising that we uh, think Veroni's going to lead the way in terms of scoring. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you guys this time. I can't I can't force myself to pick somebody else. I'm going with Veroni as well. Um, I do like Tanner's pick of Carlos Hill. I think to me it's kind of a 50-50 chance that Veroni is the Revs' leading scorer. Uh, and if he is, the Revs are successful. If he's not, they struggle. Uh, but if he's not the leading scorer, I think there's a number of guys it could be, including Carlos Hill. So I'm going to take the uh, the 50% chance in my mind and take Veroni. Um, because if it's not him, I could see it being Bo. I could see it being Carlos Hill. And who knows, maybe even Bobby Wood surprises me. I don't know. But um I do think for the Revs to be successful, it, it needs to be uh, Rioni this season. So uh, that's my pick. Um, on the, uh, I guess, not necessarily the negative end, but um, could could look at this one of many ways. Uh, name a player that you think will not be on this team's roster by the end of the season. And that could be because they were cut, because they were traded, uh, because they were sold to Europe um, or otherwise. And that's, you know, something that happens either now or mid-season, um, not something that happens next offseason, but somebody that's not here come playoff times or come the end of the season. Um, Tanner, let's start with you. Omar Gonzalez. I think he's the odd man out. I think he will end up being bought out, obviously. We'll know very shortly whether or not I'm wrong, but I pick has to be Omar Gonzalez. How about you, Sam? Yeah, you know, I guess I'll go in a more uh, positive route. And I just think now's the time for DeLon Jones to strike and really get that European deal. Obviously, you know, since that kind of U.S. men's national team camp and, you know, the friendlies that have come, we haven't seen a whole ton of him. So that's a bit concerning. Uh, But I think overall that just with him being in the U.S. men's national team January camp, getting those minutes, I think, you know, he's going to want to get that Europe deal. You know, we mentioned with Andrew Wiebe that, you know, there, he was close at, at one point. And I think it's more urgent of a move compared to Georgia Petrovic. Petrovic is still a very young player and I think possibly even more crucial to the revolution success compared to DeWan Jones. I think if you do transfer of DeWan Jones to Europe, you can definitely survive and still make the playoffs. If you were to lose someone like Petrovic, I don't know if that's still the case. So I think just because of the urgency that comes with the move and just capitalizing on the momentum. I think DeWan Jones gets that European move. 
Who have you got, Seth? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a little bit tough for me because I see this year being a little bit more like um, 2021 as opposed to 2022, where I can imagine players maybe uh, signing contracts to leave at the end of the season. So I like what what Sam said about uh, Dewan Jones, but I could see it being a situation where um, Bruce says, yep, we'll sell you. You did really well but you have to stay with us for the rest of the season, much like Tejan Buchanan. Or, or I could see the same thing maybe with Petrovic if he continues to get caps with Serbia and, and performs well in MLS. Uh, I, I think that Bruce Arena has this, this team in mind um, to be someone that can win a championship. Uh, because we saw last year that if you start to move too many players, then the chemistry starts to get hurt, that you have to start to integrate new guys. And that can be really difficult. You know, talking to Harry Kessler today, that's one thing that he said is that, these this team didn't have as many changes and that's a huge positive going forward so as i avoid your question for a little bit sean uh i could go a few different ways with this uh, i might go with gustavo bow um you know if veroni does well during the first half of the season i could see a scenario where gustavo bow in his last year of his contract uh they agreed to mutually part ways and as a result um he goes back to argentina and and maybe the revolution use that dp spot on someone else uh, maybe it, it, it's they realize that the formation just isn't going to work with uh, all three designated players, so they want to go a different route. It's kind of a, a mutually agreed to part ways, shake hands. It's all good. Uh, of course, you know Gustavo Bo has a green card at this point, or uh, soon going to have a green card. Um, so it'd be kind of interesting to get the, go through that entire process and then mid, leave midseason. But I could see a world where that happens. Um, Josie Altador is another pick uh, that I could see maybe, um, you know, another loan out happening because uh, he's not getting the playing time that he wants. Yeah, I think all of those are good picks. I'm going to uh, steal Sam's and also say Dewan Jones. I generally agree with Seth's reasoning about, you know, players stand until the end of the season. Um, I think that probably applies to Petrovic. Um, you know, given he's a young guy, he's only been here half a season so far, a little more than half a season. I think I think the Rebels will hold on him to the end. But I feel like Dewan Jones, given his age, you know, 25 years old, he's not that young anymore. Um, and I think his opportunity is now. He, if, if he has an opportunity to go this summer, uh, join a team, be there for preseason, potentially play this year, this season in Europe. Um, that's probably much more necessary at this point in his career that he joins and starts in preseason um, and has a chance to maybe fight for playing time. Uh, we're joining in mid-year. It's very hard to do. And for a guy that's younger like Petrovic, that might be a backup for a little bit first, uh, that seems to be an easier move for him to do than for someone like Dewan Jones that at his age probably wants to start um, or at least have an opportunity to be there in preseason and, and compete for minutes. So that's I, I like the, the Dewan Jones pick, so I'm going to steal that one. Um, I guess one one last one before we get into our real bold predictions. Are there any guys on this team that you see getting league awards this season, whether that's goalkeeper of the year, golden goal, or sorry, golden boot rather, uh, making the MLS best 11, um, comeback player of the year even, I suppose. Uh, anything like that that you could see from from the guys in this team? Um, Sam, I'll start with you. Yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of bleeding into my bold predictions. So, you know, you're getting two for one here. Uh, but I think if there's anyone, I, Jack P, Jack Penioto, watch out for him. You know, obviously he's been able to get a lot of minutes in preseason. I know Caleb over at Prost broke it down. Uh, but, you know, Seth's very high on him and overall his teammates seem very high on him. I think he can definitely end up competing for, you know, a spot in the starting 11. So I'll go out there and I'll say that uh, Jack Penioto uh, could be in contention for that young player of the year award. I like it. Uh, what do you got, Seth? 
Yeah, I think Petrovich is the, the easy call. I think that some of these um, awards are funny because it's all about the hype and sometimes the hype in the year before. Uh, you know, I think about Matt Turner, and, and for, for years he was kind of a very good goalkeeper, but it took a while for him to be like fully in contention and for all the voters to truly know his name. I feel like the consensus around the league last year was that Petrovic is, was, was very good. And, you know, he does very well in the voting last year. I think he, I can't remember if he finished second or third. He was very high up yeah, there. Second, yep. Second, and that was only in a half a season. Uh, I think there's a little bit, obviously, pressure because that was a, a small sample size. So it'll be really interesting if he can sustain it for the entire year. Um, also, depending on what the back line looks like as well. But I think Petrovic, everyone knows his name now. They're going to be thinking about him. They're going to be looking for him. Uh, he's someone that I can imagine getting goal cup, uh, goalkeeper of the year. I think Carlos Hill is another one that he's been around for so long. I imagine he's going to be on that first 11. Um, him, it's going to be about being healthy and whether or not the people in front of him are, are finishing goals. Um, but those are those are two that I could see. And I really like Sam's pick of uh, Jack P because I'm a big fan of his. I think that when I'm watching him, um, whether it was with Georgetown or whether it was with the U19s, highlights that we saw from the goal in preseason, his feet are really good. And his movement are, is really good. And I think it's a huge positive that he's willing to play inside and out uh, because obviously on the inside, it's very crowded. There's not really opportunities to play. So if he can go outside and start taking guys on 1v1, and we see that um, in the, you know, during preseason that Bruce Arena is using him there and that Ryan interviewed him, he said, I can go out there. I can take guys on. And you love to see that type of confidence uh, from a player. So I, I think it'd be really fun. I'd, I'd be really amazed. He said he was aiming for about 10 um, appearances for the New England Revolution's first team. Uh, I think he's going to surpass that. And uh, yeah, that'd be a cool one. I'm not really willing to say that. Uh, it's a pretty bold prediction, but I definitely think Petrovic and Carlos Hill will get accolades for this uh, team. Yeah, I'm going to get mine out of the way before going to Tanner because I agree. I think it's Petrovic and Carlos Hill. And I think those are kind of the, the easy the easy way out, I have to say. Uh, but I, I agree with those. Uh, Tanner, anything different? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you guys said. I think, you know, Jack P really is a special player. He's one of the best young players I've seen come out of the academy in a very long time. Um, watching him at Revs, too, you could just tell he was, has the potential to be a really special player. But to give something a little bit different, I think you could see Dave Romney go for Defender of the Year. I think he's going to have a really good year for the Revolution. Oh, I like that one. Um, we had a lot of bold predictions from listeners um, that I'll kind of weave in with ours. Uh, but before I jump into our final bold predictions and also share some from our listeners, I want to take a minute to talk about the sponsor of our podcast, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalacoKits.com, you can get 15% off your order using the code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order. Uh, plenty of REVS gear if you can't afford the uh, new Revs jersey, which uh, customized will cost you about $200. You can get stuff a lot cheaper at Galaco Kits and use code Revs Recap. Um, with that, let's jump into bold predictions. You know, some of these have already been covered. Um, you know, uh, several people actually have said Petrovic wins goalkeeper of the year. Porter was one of them. Uh, Randy LH asked us what the odds of Petrovic winning goalkeeper of the year were. Um, well, let me jump into to your guys' predictions, and then we'll kind of go through some of these listener predictions, uh, see if any of them match up, and see if our, we have any any thoughts on on those. Um, Seth, what what is your bold prediction for this season? Uh, I'll go with that. Uh, this is Bruce Arena's final season. Um, you know, I think that that's been a question that's been around for for a few seasons now. Like, when will Bruce Arena, um, you know, call it quits? I think in twenty twenty one there was a question. Um, there's an article, excuse me, from Kevin Baxter. 
over in uh, LA and, and in it, uh, there are some quotes talking about, it's not gonna be about the, the perfect story uh, book ending per se. It's gonna be about when Bruce Arena wants to, to hang it up. And Bruce Arena in there mentions that um, he's done a great job in soccer. He's loved his life in soccer, but he's kind of realized that there's more to life than soccer and that he wants to give back to the community and that he wants to do uh, a little bit more charity work and spend time with his family and whatnot. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if this is it for, for Bruce Arena. We know that he signed a contract extension recently. We don't know how long that contract extension is for. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be held to that contract extension. He might decide, like, I, I'm done. And I'm sure the crafts would say thank you and appreciate your service. Um, I think what's really interesting about this year is that it, fe it really feels like a championship window to me. You know, like, yes, you have Carlos Heel next year. Uh, but you're losing Gustavo Bell. Maybe you sign him again, but he's aging in that situation. Um, you guys mentioned Dwan Jones and Georgie Petrovich. How long are they going to be here? So if you lose those two players, um, those are big pieces that you have to replace. Andrew Farrell is getting up there in age. Henry Kessler is someone who has expressed, um, you know, heading, heading elsewhere in Europe at some point. Um, but, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me again if he stays with the New England Revolution. I think the roster where it's currently constructed is – is pretty stable. I mean, if you think about the starting lineup, I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a lot of it's written in pen that you, you can, if, as long as people are healthy, I have a pretty good idea what this lineup looks like. And I think the big reason why last year was such a struggle is that we didn't know what the lineup was looking like. And part of that had to do with injuries, but also we didn't really feel like we truly knew, you know, um, where the best pieces were on this team. And I feel like right now it's written more in pen there's a little bit more stability and we kind of have a known idea of what this team can be if they play to their potential. So I feel like if, if the revs do well this year, it really wouldn't surprise me if Bruce arena calls it quits. And I don't say that in a negative way. I say that more in like, Hey, he's, you know, e even if he doesn't win, I think there's a legacy here that Bruce arena has changed the revolution in some way. And, um, uh, I talked to Brian Bellello about this and, and some of those changes happened. were starting to happen before Bruce Arena was there, the training center, there was whispers of a revs too, but during, you know, the time that Bruce Arena is here, the training center is officially opened up. It's world-class players. Love it. The heated field that's out there is amazing. Revs two is, is up and running. You're bringing players up into the first team that pe people are kind of excited about. You know, the team's a little bit more competitive. They're spending more on transfers. I think more than anything else, they have established a little bit of identity in the, the trade market where they are known as a team that's going to develop young players and sell them on. And I know that, you know, I put that article out today and, um, and there are some people that are, you know, don't like that the revs are a selling team, but I think that's a good identity for the revolution to be because Sean, you've been around long enough. Uh, people didn't want to come to the revolution. Like there are literally people who have said they would rather retire than play for the new England revolution back in the day. And I don't necessarily think it's that way right now. I think that there are some players that maybe it's not their favorite place because it's winter, because it's turf, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the fact that you're bringing in Barrero and Veroni and Buxa and Petrovic and some of these young uh, up-and-coming players, that's a big deal for the revolution. So I think that Bruce Arena is going to look at it and he's going to think, Do, is there more years that I want to be out here doing this? Did I already do the job that I set out to do? And I think his legacy will continue no matter what, because um, maybe, maybe he sticks around and does something within the front office, or maybe he's an advisor in some way. But my guess is that you know, some, the person that he 
comes next as coach is probably going to be handpicked by him. Whether it's Dan Van, uh, Dave Vandenberg, who is very highly touted. I think the athletic put him as uh, the assistant coach, most likely to get a head coaching job uh, next in one of their surveys. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Richie Williams. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Shari Joseph, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes somewhere from the Bruce Arena coaching tree and that legacy continues. So yeah, that's going to be my bold prediction that Bruce Arena's last year is this year. Oh, I like that one and can't really disagree with it either. And you do bring up a great point. Um, you know, you, you tweeted about the Revs being um, a bit of a selling team and I you know, agree with you and I agree that it is overall a good thing because you, like you said, back in the day, there were guys that weren't happy with how they were necessarily treated with the team with a guy like Jeff Lerner, who wasn't happy that he wasn't given a contract extension sooner. A guy like Michael Parkhurst, who, when he came back to the league, wanted to be traded to Columbus rather than the, signing with the Revs who had his rights. Um, and I don't think you're going to be seeing that as much anymore. The, have, the way the Revs have handled things, which I think is, is overall certainly a good thing. Um, Tanner, what, what have you got for your bold prediction? My bold prediction is that we're going to get stadium news this year. Something completely off the Ooh. field, but I think this year we're finally going to get that stadium news. I think it's been talked about for so long. I think you really have heard the team pushing for it, and I think it comes to fruition this year. So that's my bold prediction. Probably going to be completely wrong, but you know what? It has to come eventually. I don't think you can get any bolder than, than that. Uh, Seth, I see Seth's raising his hand. Seth, you got something, you said something to add to that? <laughs> Yeah, I like to raise my hand because I'm a teacher, so I want to I wanna make sure I, I get called on. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. Like, I, 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 It's bold. It's very bold. But I, I really hold on to this idea that Taylor Twelman told Sam and I and um, Tom Quinlan as, as well at Carlos Heels uh, MVP ceremony that this is the closest the revolution have ever come. And obviously since then, we've gotten like little whispers of stuff happening in Everett and maybe it's not going to happen because certain things were not passed in bills that would have been advantageous to the revolution. Um, but I really think that, you know, maybe I'm a fool. Maybe, you know, I've been around for a long time, not as long as you, Sean. And I know you've seen plenty of rumors that, that come and go. And, and I've seen plenty as well, but I think it makes so much sense for the revolution to have some sort of plan in place for a stadium for 2026. Like it won't be done for 2026, but can you imagine you know, the revolution capitalizing by saying, you know, in 2027 or 2028, you can put your, you know, we're going to have a stadium, put down your, your deposits now. Like, I just think that for the, I'd be concerned that if it didn't happen around this upcoming world cup, that it's just never going to happen. That like it, it, it would literally have to be given to the crafts for free in order for it to happen. <laughs> I just think it makes so much sense for it to happen around the 2026 world cup, much like NYCFC. Uh, so Tanner, I, I really like that one. Uh, you know, it, it's it's probably going to be one that's laughed at uh, for quite a while. And if it doesn't come true, then somebody will will tweet it out on cursed revs. But uh, I don't think it's as far off as as others might think it is. Looks like Sam's got something to add. I mean, I you know, once I heard that, I just had to jump in because like <laughs> I, I hope my I hope Tanner I hope Seth now too. I hope everyone's okay because that is a bold prediction. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just being pessimistic. I just really thought that, you know, when Taylor said that, we were going to start getting some news. Maybe I'm being impatient and it is going to come. Maybe it'll come in, you know, 2025, whatever it may be. But that that is a bold prediction. And I just want to give kudos to Tanner because if that does happen, I mean, they might as well name the, the stadium the Tanner Abella Stadium because that would be amazing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you, Sam. I've been burned enough times to uh, over the years to – <laughs> I think that's a very bold prediction. We haven't gotten your uh, bold prediction yet, have we? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I definitely gave the Jack P one. I think that is a bold prediction. But, you know, I, j- I just came up with another one, too, kind of kind of based off of Tanner. You know, Omar Gonzalez, you know, Tanner thinks he might get bought out. But I think Bruce Arena has a plan. And I think that, you know, just with all the matches that are coming, you know, whether it be League's Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, you know, I think that we're going to see Omar Gonzalez a clip Eclipse, 1,000 minutes played, and I think he's going to have a role on this team. Uh, whether you like that or not, uh, that's a debate for another day. Uh, but Bruce Arena seems to be sickened by his guy, and I think he will continue to have a role unless there's a massive catastrophe on the field. Uh, so that that's my bold prediction. Omar Gonzalez, 1,000 minutes, and will have a role on this roster. Well, wow. another another very good, very bold prediction. Uh, my prediction is that Henry Kessler is not part of the Revs after this season. Um, I don't know his contract status, but I'm pretty. I think it's a pretty good guess that it's up after this year. We haven't seen it be renewed. We know he's got an Irish passport, so he's got an opportunity to to go over to Europe um, without having to worry worry about uh, work permits or anything like that. Um, just the fact that it hasn't been renewed this 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 far. The Revs have a kind of contingency plan with Dave Romney now. Um, I had a prediction earlier that it's actually going to be Romney by the end of the season starting over Kessler. Um, so my prediction is that Kessler will not be here next season. Um, and it's possible that, you know, if I wanted to get really bold, that maybe they trade him midseason if they find that Dave Romney's doing well and that Kessler's not willing to sign an extension. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but that's that's my prediction. Um, and then we've got a lot of listener predictions. Now that everyone's figured out how to raise their hand, uh, as I read these predictions, if you have anything to add, please chime in, raise your hand, do it, do whatever you'd like. Um, first one, Robert Chevalier. If you listened to the podcast a lot last season, you know we talked a lot about the panic meter. Uh, Robert Chevalier says there will be no panic level, panic level over six this year. Uh, that's that's pretty bold. I think we got well over six towards the end of last season. Anyone anyone got anything to add to that? Agree with that that prediction? No panic level over six. Uh, I disagree. I think there's going to be an early season panic level, <laughs> maybe eight. <laughs> yeah, um, especially with not knowing. I think the Gustavo Bo situation is going to be interesting. Seth, you unmuted for a second. Did you have something to add? No, yeah, I think that the issue is going to be like early season. I think that so many Revs fans are upset after last season, which totally makes sense. To miss the playoffs is is kind of hard in MLS, and, and it might be even harder this year if they expand the playoff field. Um, so, yeah, I think early on there, it might be some struggles. And uh, but I think at the same time, it's all about that second half of the season. You know, like I think in MLS, it's all about um, it's all about how you finish as opposed to how you begin the year. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if some fans get really worry, worried early on, because, Sean, like you said, uh, Gustavo Bo might not be out there. And, you know, when one of your three DPs is not playing, it's going to lead to more people being concerned and upset. Uh, Ronnie Smalls has uh, three bold predictions. First one I, I really like. He has Dylan Barrero making the MLS best 11. Uh, I think we all talked a little about Barrero, but this is, this could be a breakout year for him. I like that one. Uh, he has Bobby Wood and Josie Alcidor combining for 15-plus goals in all competitions. Um, I, I have trouble seeing that one happening. And then his last one is Apple TV cuts the price in half by June. Um, you know, back when MLS used to do their own streaming service for, you know, away games and or for out of market games, I think that they would regularly cut the price in half by, I don't know, maybe it was August or something. So I guess that's not too far out of the realm of possibility that maybe, but I would expect that to be more at the halfway point of the season. Anyone got any comments on, on those three bold predictions, Sam? 
Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me as well if, you know, we ended up seeing, you know, the price get slashed. You know, it just seems like from, you know, the conversations I've seen on Twitter and, you know, conversations I've had with some people, you know, that it would make sense to do that, especially if you're trying to get more fans in. You know, the news just came out today that T-Mobile is going to give it to their customers for three. So, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. I think that's a good shout that we might see some uh, price discounts as the season goes on. What do you got to add, Tanner? Yeah, I, I think the fact that we haven't heard a number yet or how good the subscriptions have been is kind of telling. Because if, if they were selling a lot of subscriptions at this point, I think we would have heard something already. Usually leagues and teams are very quick to tout their success. And the fact that we haven't heard anything yet kind of tells me that aren't having a ton of success. Now, the season hasn't started yet. Maybe there's people waiting to the last minute to sign up. But I think they're going to have to really cut their prices in half and you know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how many people are actually watching Major League Soccer this season. Yeah, I, I do wonder if a lot of people are waiting until the last minute. Um, for, you know, for for reasons like that T-Mobile announcement today. I know, I know at least one person that signed up paid the hundred bucks and has T-Mobile, and now now here's they can get it for free. Um, and I, you know, the first weekend of games is also free. So I, I don't, I, I'm not even sure. Is there much content now that's behind the paywall, um, or is there really not much reason to sign up until week two, <laughs> Sam? No, I just want to add, because I saw this actually right before we recorded. Apparently, if you did sign up beforehand and you are a T-Mobile customer and not getting it for three, you can like go through them and get a refund. So at least you're able okay. to get your money back and get it for three. So that's good. Yeah, that, that would be quite annoying if you, if you couldn't. <laughs> um, so Randy LH, his season prediction is more optimistic than us. He thinks the Revs finished top three in the East. His bold prediction is Rioni wins the golden boot. I assume that means the league golden boot. Um, because I don't think it would be a bold prediction to say the Revs golden boot. Derek Terrell, his bold prediction is that Barrero gets the most goals for the Revs this season. Uh, can anyone see that happening? I, I can see that. No, I mean, that's I, too I, bold. I, I actually could. I, I can see it a little bit in the sense of, um, yeah, I think he's a really dynamic player. And I think you saw that last year against the, the season finale against Chicago, just uh, scoring out of nowhere. So I think if the Revolution with their, their fleet of strikers, um, if they start – going through them because Veroni isn't the guy um, that I, I could imagine that, you know, Veroni gets a few games, Bo gets a few games, especially if they play that four, two, three, one formation. Um, and I think Sean, you've talked about that. Like it didn't, I like that formation when I'm coaching. I like that co- uh, formation when I'm watching because it creates such balance in the middle of the field and it makes it so hard to play through and it makes it, um, you know, it, it cuts out passing lanes. So you don't have as much emergency defending for the back line. So if you do that, you can only play with one striker. If you're only playing with one striker, you've you got to go through a lot of options. And if no one's really hot, then it might be really difficult. So I could see, like, for me, Barrero is someone that, as long as he's healthy, he's probably playing every single minute of every single game. Um, and as a result, he might end up with quite a bit of goals, especially because he's someone that wants to probably get to a higher league or go somewhere else at some point. So um, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think Baroni will be good. Uh, but I could I could see it happening. Yeah, I I don't completely disagree with you, and but I, I also think it's one of those ones where if it's if it's Barrera or Navarone, the Revs are in trouble. Um, Ryan Duplicia has not so not so much bold predictions, but a few thoughts. He says he's intrigued by the new signings as well as the players the Revs have kept on. He's wondering how blessing will mesh. Um, he also looking forward to seeing Veroni in action and looking forward to a great year. Uh, anyone got thoughts on, on how blessing will mesh, mesh with this team? I think it could vary based on formation. Seth. 
Yeah, I, I think the one concern about it, and you heard Matt Doyle in Extra Time talk about this, is that um, Blessing is someone who usually plays a little bit higher up the field, pressing a little bit higher up the field, and likes to go into to tackles really hard. And, you know, the way that Doyle said it is that he'll go into a 70-30 tackle, like a tackle that he's not necessarily supposed to win, and you're not supposed to go into. And if that happens in bad positions, then all of a sudden, um, if he's playing deep, then all of a sudden that the other team's going to have a counterattack opportunity. So I, I think it depends on, you know, where he's playing on the field. I think ideally he's he's playing a little bit more of that pressing type of role and he's going to chase a little bit. And we saw that sometimes like um, Luis Casado did something like that, right? Like lots of energy on the field, go attack the ball, try to win the ball a little bit higher. Uh, I think that'd be a really good role for him. And so as a result, he's not really playing right next to um, Polster. He's playing a little bit higher up the field and, and, and trying to create turnovers. And again, you know, referencing something else that Matt Doyle put out last year, and I don't have it ex exactly the numbers, but he said that last year, one of the issues the revolution had uh, compared to the previous year is that they weren't winning the ball as high up the field anymore. And they were allowing the teams to have patience with the ball, move the ball, and then come into the revolutions, you know, defending uh, half of the field. So I think that, you know, I think the idea is that maybe someone like Latif Blessing can be that guy, bring a lot of energy and start to press a little bit more because we know that um, we know that Jones will do that. We know that Bai will do that. We know that those individuals are all about that countering pressing when they lose the ball. So I think that that's the hope. I think the hope is that he can, you know, press up the field a little bit more and try to win those tackles. I think the, the scary part is he might go into some of those tackles in the wrong positions. And then maybe um, that's putting a lot of pressure on that back line. So I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about what Latif Blessing can bring, bring because he's someone that played a lot of minutes. He's someone that's a known commodity in this league. Um, and I think, you know, for the sake of, um, I think for the sake of the revolution, the hope is that Bruce Arena understands how to best utilize that type of player. And he's not going to ask him to kind of play out of position or play something that's not quite as comfortable with. Um, and I think that hopefully that will lead to success for the revolution. Yeah, and, you know, just kind of hopping off that, you know, I think when it comes to the Teeth Blessings time with L.A., obviously, there's a lot of difficulties. You know, there's the family aspect, and, you know, we got to talk to him at training, and it sounds like the Revolution are helping to hopefully bring his family, you know, over from Ghana to the United States. And just overall, you know, all those off-the-field things, they can, you know, turn up on the field and, and affect the player's play. So I definitely think that, you know, we could see a reinvigorated Latif Blessing. It'll be interesting to see the role that he's in. But, you know, I'm definitely very curious to see what he's able to do and thinking, you know, that he will be able to fit in well. So definitely would have to, have to agree that I, I can see him fitting in well and, you know, playing a key, not a key role, but, you know, having a solid role on this Revolution roster. Porter's got a few bold takes. He says Revs finished fourth, which this isn't that far off from what Seth and I had them. Um, after Vrioni wins Golden Boot, which I also assume means the league Golden Boot, because again, don't think it's a hot take if it's the Revs. Um, he says Barrero has a breakout season. Um, I don't think there's much to add there, because a few of us agree with that. Petrovic wins Goalkeeper of the Year. Also, uh, not too much for us to add there, because we agree with it, but Bruce misses out on Coach of the Year. Carlos Heel has a decline. Uh, Revs go on to win MLS Cup. Does anyone think Carlos Hill might have a decline this season? It is his thirty, his uh, year thirty season? Uh, everyone wants to jump in. Uh, Sam, I'll go to you first. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted to jump in because I believe they 
that Porter said that they're winning MLS Cup, which I mean, anything can happen, but <laughs> that was the first bold prediction. So shout out, shout out to them. I mean, when it comes to Carlos Heel, you know, I think we were spoiled with that MVP season. He was absolutely dominant. So I think in terms of the level that he was at there, maybe we see a drop off. But I think once again, you know, he's going to be that that magic maker in the midfield. He's going to be setting up goals for guys like Veroni, Bo, whoever it may be up top. And I wouldn't expect too far of a drop off. Maybe you see some of it, but that's just the fact that, you know, when you're playing after an MVP season, it's really hard to live up to that. And if he's able to do that, that's great. Uh, but I wouldn't expect too far of a drop off. And yeah, if the Revs win MLS Cup, I, I would say that'd be quite surprising. That would be a pleasant surprise for me. Dan, what do you got? Yeah, I could see Carlos Hill declining. I actually was kind of thinking about that earlier in our bold predictions. And the fact that he was able to play in 33 games last year was great for the revolution. But, you know, I, I do think that it's going to maybe be tough for him to be on the field. You know, he does have an injury history in his past. Um, you know, and, he, and when he has been available, he's been playing at such a high level. I could see him declining. Um, but I could also see him having a great season if he is to be able to stay on the field and players like Veroni and Altador and Bo and everyone else are able to put their chances away. But I could actually see Carlos Seal declining. Seth, you got something to add here? Your hand's been permanently up. I didn't know it was still a holdover from the last one. <laughs> it was kind of, but I, yeah, the only thing I'll just real quick is I, I agree that, um, and I think Sean, you bring this up, is that if I think Carlos Hill will be fine. And the only reason why he wouldn't be fine is if he's having injuries. And that's just a normal thing that players sometimes get injured. Uh, we've seen that in the past with him, but I, I don't expect him to have a decline per se. Yeah, I agree. The injury is the concern. And Seth, you bring up a lot of how, how injured the Revs were last year, and they were. The one guy that wasn't injured was Carles Heel, um, and he had injuries the pre- previous two seasons. So uh, I always, when I look at last season, I think it's a waste that they, a shame that they wasted a, a fully healthy Carles Heel for all season because uh, there's no guarantee that's what they have this year. So that's that's my concern more than anything else. I, I don't see a decline unless it's a you know a health issue where he's not on the field as much. Um Nathan Whitcraft says Farrell is healthy uh but ends up as the third choice center back all season. I think a, a couple people predicted that on here. I don't know if there's anything to add to that one, but I don't think that'd be too much of a shock based on I don't know if it's that bold of a prediction because I think we've seen a lot of people kind of make that one. Um any revs UK says that he's stuck between the Revs finishing fourth or fifth in the conference. He thinks Rioni will have a breakout season, finish top of the goals, uh, with a rejuvenated Bobby Wood finishing second. Um, that's more more bold than I think Rioni finishing top. Uh, and he says Barrero will nip Carles Heel for the top spot and assist with Jack the Lad in third and that we lift the cup. Uh, any thoughts on any of those? I mean, I'm curious, actually. Do people think it's – the prediction of Barrero leading the goal-scoring chart is more bold than Barrero leading the assist chart? Because uh, I think both of those are kind of bold. No, I'll, I'll jump in and just say that the prediction of Bobby Wood uh, being, I believe, second in goals, uh, that was – that's a bold prediction there, Mike. Uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you get some hot tea right there. But, you know, if Bobby Wood is able to do that, I mean, that's, that's a great move by Bruce Arena. Again, one of his guys actually paying off would be great. I think we see it uh, with a guy like Dave Romney. But I don't know if we see that level – from Bobby Wood. Uh, but, you know, I definitely say that, you know, seeing a guy like Giacomo Veroni go off, I don't know. I think Carlos Hill is just always going to be that guy in the middle and is going to lead the assist. But Bobby Wood, that's that's a proper hot take there, Mike. Tanner? 
If Bobby Wood does that, Bruce Arena's going to win Coach of the Year. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that that would be uh, be something. Uh, we got two final predictions, which are not really Revs predictions, but more uh, Revs recap predictions. Uh, your colleague Alex Dolan predicts that some combination of me, Tanner, and Greg, along with Alex, will go to Waffle House and do some sort of content or just eat. Of course, if that happens, Sam and Seth will also have to come. Uh, Tanner, <laughs> is that going to happen? Yeah, it absolutely has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? I mean, yeah, you know, Dolan has, has made this public information, so I guess I'll say this, that, uh, you know, hopefully uh, some members of the Blazing Musket will be down in D.C. for uh, the All-Star game. Uh, what that could entail is possibly a trip to uh, Waffle House because, <laughs> according to uh, the lovely, the amazing Greg Johnstone, there is one technically kind of close. And I mean, that will be amazing. That will be content for the ages. Uh, it'll be a pay-per-view event. It'll be something that you have never seen before. Uh, but yeah, Dolan really wants this to happen. And I want to make it happen for him. So uh, that's a very bold prediction, but I think we can make it happen. Any Revs UK has the same prediction, except at Applebee's. I don't know which, which one of those two is uh, is more likely to happen. <laughs> uh, Waffle House. You know, yeah, it's Waffle House. Tanner, Tanner's 100% correct. I mean... You know, uh, shout out to our boy Christopher Lucas. He thinks more of an Applebee's guy. I could see, you know, maybe maybe you three going up going up there. But I think, you know, when it comes to me, Greg Dolan, you know, Tanner now too, it's gonna be Waffle House. Uh, we're gonna eat a copious amounts of waffles. Probably witness some things that we will never see again in our lives. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be Waffle House. <laughs> And I did want to get all of your takes on uh, the couple pieces of news this week. Well, I guess not really news. We we discussed Gustavo Bo um, missing from preseason to stay home for his green card. I think all of us don't think that's a, a great thing for his form at the start of the season. Um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the trade this week, where the Revolution sent 175,000, or the Revolution received 175,000 in general allocation money from Charlotte F- Charlotte FC. Uh, in exchange for an international roster spot, which I believe even with the green cards now, uh, the Revolution don't have any international roster spots. Are, is this a, are you concerned at all that the Revolution have kind of given up any flexibility to sign an international player by doing this, Sam? Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting. You know, like you said, there's kind of that in- international roster flexibility issue per se, but I think this also could signal that we possibly see someone like Maciel go on, you know, the season ending list and that would, you know, open one up, Uh, but it will be interesting. Obviously you had guys like Joshua Bulma, who is now, you know, looks like he's going to be probably that backup right back spot. You know, you have him, obviously Seth was able to report the news. There was the possibility he had a guy like Andres Uland. Um, I believe he might've actually not been an international now I'm saying out loud, but I just want to give kudos to Seth for that report. Um, so I think it could be a sign of things to come. And when it comes to the cash, you know, the gam, you just want to be able to put that into action. And, and you know, obviously there were some rumors this off season. Maybe now you can use some of those funds when it comes to the mid season, bolstering up for an MLS Cup run. So you know, good piece of business. You got Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo getting the green card. So you might as well, you know, make some money and be able to possibly make deals down the line. Seth, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think one thing with Bruce Arena is that he he's kind of showed that he's not someone that just kind of stand pat, that he's constantly working deals and angles and trying to get money and trying to get resources and, you know, bringing in different players. So, you know, I, I think I'm okay with this. I, I agree with you, Sean, a little bit. Like, 
it might be nice to have around in case you're you're eyeing someone during the summer transfer window. I, I do really think they have to do something in the summer transfer window. I mean, if you look back in you know, 2021, the revolution were doing so well and they didn't do anything. And I think it would have been nice to add a piece, whether it was a piece to get acquainted and, and get adjusted or for the next year, because you know you're probably going to lose some players or whether it was a piece just to bolster that season. Um, and, you know, obviously I think in that, that year, the biggest thing that hurt the revolution was that huge break. And even with that huge break, um, the revolution still almost beat the eventual champions NYCFC. But I think that you're often seeing that teams that, that do well, I mean, look at LAFC last year, right? Like they, they brought in some pieces during the summer transfer window and that kind of pushed them over the edge. So I, I do think that no matter how the Reds are doing this season, they have to do something in the middle of this the year. Um, so, you know, you do wonder if there's not enough forethinking there. That said, I, I trust Bruce Arena to, that he'd had these discussions, thought about, well, we can do this. Like Sam said, well, if we do find an international, then we move Maciel to the, the season-ending list. Or maybe we trade this guy. Or maybe, you know, I th- I'm hoping that there's contingencies and uh, plans in place. And I think for Bruce, we, we do sometimes see that, um, that he is thinking about those things. You know, I'm thinking back in, I think it was 2020, when the revolution brought in a bunch of players because Carlos Hill was, was hurt, right? Like they brought, that's when they brought in Lee Wynn and Tommy McNamara and Kakuta Mane. And he's, he's like, well, we, we, we don't know exactly when, when we'll be back. Let's try to get some pieces in and try them out before next year. So I think that, um, I think it's, it's a fine idea that like, Hey, we don't need this right now. Let's pick up money uh, with the idea, hopefully that there's contingency plans come the summer. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting move, um, but it doesn't seem like Bruce Arena has had the most success with some of his international signings either. So I wonder if that uh, weighs in on it. Um, I guess last question before we get to final thoughts: uh, the Revolution preseason results. We obviously haven't been able to watch any of the games. We can't draw too many conclusions. But is there any concern with you know the fact that um, you know they lost four nothing to Charlotte uh, over the past three games? They've scored one goal. Um, there was obviously that first game this season that we weren't able to, that we weren't supposed to hear anything about, but I know you guys reported that it was, it was two, two, I think that leaked out. Um, but is there any concern with kind of the, the bit of a struggle in preseason results? Personally, I I don't take, put too much stock in preseason results, but, uh, Tanner. Yeah, I don't put too much stock in it either. I think you're trying a lot of things in preseason, but I do think you're going to see a slow start to the season for the revolution for a multitude of reasons, including the fact that Gustavo Bo hasn't been with them, but I think they're going to be figuring things out working in Blessing, working in Romney, and figuring what works and what doesn't work. So I'm not too concerned with the results of the preseason, but I really do think they are going to start slow to start the year. Seth? Yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, about preseason is to try things out. Um, You know, I think that when you look at, again, we can't watch the game, so it's really hard, and I've been trying to put together like three thoughts every week just by analyzing things and looking at clips. You know, I think some of the things that we're seeing is, you know, one – um, like McCoon, for example, McCoon has played center back. He's played outside back and I played, I believe he's played some, you know, center defensive mid. I think the idea is to figure out like, where do we play this player? And it doesn't mean that he's a starter. It just means that they're trying to figure out where is he best used. That if it's late in the game, do we feel comfortable going to a five man back and putting McCoon as a center back or, you know, if Dewan Jones is not, willing to go is it McCoon or is it Spal- Spalding that's going to play that left back position 
you know, uh, we saw that the Reds played a, a five-man back line or a three-man back line, depending on how you want to look at it. You know, they played that a couple times. Uh, I think it was just to see, like, does this work? I think that Bruce Arena loves to play with two strikers. He's, he's had that system throughout uh, his coaching career. And I think it was interesting to listen to the World Cup games because he, um, he would say, like, ah, the U.S., they should put another striker on. Like, I think they're, they're not holding up the ball or not creating enough score, goal-scoring opportunities. And with how many striking options they have, I think it makes sense that they want to play with two strikers. But if you play with two strikers, where do you, how do you make sure you still have a, a solid back line? So I think he was testing that out. And who knows if we'll ever actually see it as a starting lineup. Uh, maybe if there's injuries, maybe if under the cer- certain circumstances. But I think he was trying that. Uh, Bulma's another example. Bulma, you know, uh, Sam men- mentioned that Caleb over at Prost, you know, referenced Bulma quite a bit and, and, and how much minutes he has. Um, during this preseason, again, I think it's just more about seeing what type of player that he is. You know, he played a little bit as a wing back. He played a little bit as an outside mid. Um, he supposedly can play in the center, but I don't believe he's played that much in the center during this preseason. I think it's about seeing what type of player he is and uh, where does he fit in this team. Jack P is another situation. Again, I'm pretty high on him. He scored a goal against Inter Miami. And if you follow Revolution's tweets, they're kind of constantly hyping this kid up and talking about his good feet and his ability on the field. Um, But is he breaking in? You know, like right now he's playing on the wing and I could see him playing uh, on the wing against um, Charlotte uh, early in the season because, you know, the Revolution, um, you know, Nacho might be still working himself up. You know, Bo, I I highly doubt he's going to be ready to start that first week of the season. So maybe he does play there. But you know, with the amount of minutes he's getting, is it is it truly an indicator that he's going to be a full-time starter? Uh, again, I'm very high on him. I, I think that, like, I could see him play early in the season. Um, but I don't think necessarily – I mean, another player is Omar, right? Omar Gonzalez has a lot of minutes this preseason. Uh, that comes down to injuries. You know, Kessler was was dealing with a lower body injury. I, um, Farrell was also missing time. So if those guys are missing time and you're thinking about playing a three-man back – or even if you're thinking about playing uh, with two center backs, well, who's the next man up? The next man up is Omar Gonzalez. And I think against uh, the final thing here is the results, you know, like how much of the results really matter. Uh, you know, when you look at the lineup that went against uh, Cincy, um, you know, that it wasn't the first choice lineup, you know? So I, I don't know how those goals happened. I don't know if the Reds are really trying to focus on like, Hey, with this, with this lineup, we're really focused on playing out the back. Like, I don't care if you make a mistake. you got to play out the back. Or, in, in, you know, the way that we're playing right now, I really want you to hit this player in the center and then try to hit it out wide. Maybe they were trying something tactical that just wasn't working out. So I think without seeing the games, it really becomes hard to say, like, we should be freaking out because the Revolution are, are losing games by high margins. Uh, I think that it's going to come down to those early games and figuring things out. Uh, I think it's a little tough to look at the openings uh, of the season. I mean, going down to Charlotte is not a fun place to play. Uh, you do get to return home after that against Houston. Um, that's an okay game, I think. Houston, you know, with Ben Olsen. Um, that, that'd be really fun to see Ben Olsen versus Bruce Arena. Uh, but I, I think Houston's trying to figure out their identity. But then after that, you play against LAFC and, and Nashville. And those are those are decent teams. So I'm not worried about the season as a whole, but I could definitely see you know, the early season, like Tanner said, being a little tough for the revolution. 
all great thoughts there and very impressive work to actually have good conclusions that uh, from preseason games we haven't been able to watch and conclusions that actually make sense. And I think that's a good segue to uh, tell everybody that they should be reading The Blazing Musket and subscribing to The Blazing Musket where they can find your three, thought, three thoughts on preseason. They can find Tanner's notebook. Uh, they can find everything that, that Sam has been writing. Um, all great content there. And on that note, I want to give everyone a chance to get final thoughts and also let people know uh, what you have upcoming on The Blazing Musket and where people can find you on social media. And I'll, I'll start with your boss, Sam, the site manager at The Blazing Musket. <laughs> no, Greg told you to say boss. I don't appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was definitely a blast. I always love uh, being on Revolutionary Cap. Make sure to, you know, check out all the work at the Blazing Musket. Uh, you can follow us at Blazing Musket. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Sam uh, underscore Minton22. Seth may be capitalized my name, so it's capitalized now. Uh, but yeah, check check it out. I'm doing a lot more Vermont Green stuff. Absolutely loving it. And, you know, we're just going to keep uh, chugging away, covering this Revs uh, team and, you know, a bunch of other teams in New England. And it, it will definitely be an interesting season with Leeds Cup. So we are going to be grinding away. Uh, but, yeah, just thank you so much uh, for having me on, guys. And Tanner, any final thoughts? Yeah, like Boss Man said, you got to be <laughs> following the blazing musket. <laughs> Sam's going to kill us. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, follow me on Twitter at Tanner Rubello, and I'll have a, uh, a notebook up probably you know, recapping the preseason, all the thoughts, and heading into the season. So a lot of fun stuff. Seth, I'll give you the uh, final, final thought. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say I'm really proud of what we've done over at the Blazing Musket. Um, you know, I think that the coverage that we offer is is really top notch. Uh, you know, today I had an interview with Brian Bolello, you know, just talking about the growth of the team, uh, talking about supporting independent media. And yes, I did ask about the stadium. There's really no update, no comment from Brian Bolello on that one. Uh, but I think that yeah, we, we, we really tried to, to give you the best, most immediate coverage out there, analysis. Um, and more than anything, we're, I'm really proud to say that we're building a community. Um, there are so many people that comment on articles. Um, if you're a paid subscriber, then you're able to join a chat. And every week we take uh, questions from um, people to, to answer in a mailbag. Uh, segment. Uh, if you're a paid subscriber, you can read Tanner's uh, really, really great notebooks, really summarizing everything that's happened in the week and happened in Revsland and, and around the region. Um, and I think another nice thing about being a part of that community is that we hear you and we, we try to find some of those stories that are out there. Uh, so for example, uh, today I interviewed Henry Kessler and appreciate Revs PR working with me and, and you know, getting us these interviews and getting us this access. Um, and you know, Henry Kessler, I talked to him for 16 minutes. And towards the end of it, I remember that uh, there was somebody that really wanted to, from our group, from our paid subscribers, that really wanted to learn about uh, Joshua Bulma. So, you know, at that point, I was talking about music and Esmir's uh, rapping career. And I said, wait, wait, I got to go back to something because I got to learn about Bulma. So I asked a question about Bulma because uh, people want to know. And uh, our job is to try to get information for the fans. So it's a really great community. Uh, you know, if you can't pay, we understand uh, where most of our articles are free. We want to be able just to provide uh, you guys with really relevant uh, viewpoints. And whether we're in the, the press box or we're down in Connecticut, uh, we're trying to offer that to you guys. So uh, please, please subscribe. At least consider subscribing. Um, if, if you can pay, that's that's we, we appreciate it even more. Uh, but subscribe so you can be a part of our community because uh, we're really trying to, to grow something and show that independent media matters. Uh, in the soccer world. 
Yeah, everybody should be reading The Blazing Musket. It's the, the, the best place to go to for revolution coverage. Um, so glad you guys all got together and kept that going. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Aldonahue, and of course, follow the podcast on Twitter. Follow all these guys on The Blazing Musket. They all have their own Twitter accounts as well. You can see us on Revolution Recap on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for Seth, Sam, and Tanner for all joining us today. Uh, we'll be back soon. I know Greg did a, a snake draft for the top scorers for the Revs this year, so I, I'm, I'll, we're all curious to, to listen to that, and that will be the next podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.